Yo, what up, Hip Hop Heads? Welcome to Graffiti Talk Radio, home of the Hip Hop Backstories. I'm your boy, Fresh, and I'm with my partner in Crown Bumble Club. We're here. Right here, homie. You know the deal. Yeah, and I got my other partner in Crown Banking. We're here. Right here, homie. All right, Hip Hop Heads. Our guest today is one third of the legendary group 4D with Class 1 and the late great Big Boss. They're known for his like True Blue Brothers, Rolling 4D, and you got played. After his career, he decided to transition into producing films and videos. He produced artists like Swisher House, uh, Teasy, Cool Breeze, Hood Bosses, uh, Jay Jones, Cooter Bang, Young Brad, Big Low G, just to name a few. So hip hop heads, give it up for Cool Rod. What's up, Cool Rod? What's good? What's good, people? Yeah, and so uh, before before we start off, man, I just wanted to let you know, you know how I first got on y'all, got on to y'all. I was I heard about y'all through tape trading. You know, I had a uh, had a guy. He was, you know, he wanted to borrow my Ice Cube lethal injection. Man, he said I got four deep, and I didn't know who four deep was at the time. And uh, we traded, and uh, I I heard it, and I've been hooked ever since. Oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So starting off, man, what part of Houston you grew up in, and what made you want to get into music? Um, I grew up on the southwest side of Houston. You know, that's uh, you know, like if you're familiar with the southwest side of Houston, that's Ailey's, you know, Bissonnette, Woodfair, Farm Park, you know, the whole nine around that back end. Um, that's where uh, actually um, I met Big Boss at. Um, was at a house party <clears throat> over on Beach Nut. You know, back then, you know, apartments used to have clubhouses. You know, our parents, since our parents rent, you know, rent the place, you know, we get either our uncles or, you know, an older person name on the lease, they'd be able to rent the clubhouse. And, and that's how we threw our party. But yeah, you know, I, I, you know, doing house parties, that's how I met Big Boss. Oh, okay. Yeah, so how, how was Big Boss as a person, man? Man, Big Boss was like, on a cool, Big Boss was like my older brother because um, I'm like the oldest three. My mom had moved, you know, left West Africa and moved this year to the States. So I didn't have no father at home. So, I mean, I turned to uh, hip-hop, you know, breakdancing at first and then got into graffiti and uh, got into rapping rapping in school and uh, the popular kids in school was like, man, you serious? You know, we got a real producer that's coming to our house party, you know. You and your pockets could come through. Went there, you know, trying to show off for the girls. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was, uh, I, I was rapping off of uh, Tila Rock, instrumental. Uh, and uh, boss was like, man, um, rap it without the instrumental. Just go ahead and rap something. So I, I spit a couple of bars for him. And uh, he was like, you serious? Just come on over to the crib. So I went over to his house. Went to his house. He had DJ equipment all over. You know, records. He, he lived by himself. I was like, damn. At that time, I was probably like around 16, 17. And um, he, he wasn't like, he was like about 20. He had his own, he had his own apartment and everything. I was like, damn. Nothing but records all over the damn place. He had a microphone hanging on the ceiling fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh. <laughs> uh. 
But yeah, man, I'm boss was all about music. Um, and if he was serious about it, first thing he made me, I had a book of rhymes. He made me throw it. Well, he didn't make me throw it away. He said if I was serious about it, I would throw it away and start all over, start fresh. Right. And I was with my partner at the time, and my partner refused to do that shit. He was like, hell no, I'm not throwing away my shit. Yeah. But I did. Um, And it just began from there. You know what I'm saying? And, um, boss at the time, he was with, he was with, it was him and E. And um, the group wasn't even called OG Style then. Um, I forgot what they was called. It, it was on a, a record label called Nation Records. Okay. This was like before. This was before they got to deal with rap a lot. And um, it was called Phase Two or Phase Three. I think it was Phase Two. <clears throat> and then they did. Then they redid that. Catch and Slip the song was an old song they had done like a while back. And then they redid it and re put it back out. And once they re put it back out, they changed the name of the group OG Style. And I was there to witness all that shit. Okay. So, 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 did he have more members in OG style at that time before it rendered down the big boss in Easy E? Yeah, there was another guy. I forgot his name, man. I I really forgot his name, and and it wasn't even his original E. Wasn't even original E. He was Prince Easy E. Yeah. I forget the other guy. And then he got, you know, kicked out of the group or whatnot. And um, it was just Boston E. And there was another guy, too, uh, Ed Jack. Ed Jack, yeah, he was mostly like the hype guy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, because on the, the picture, we got um, OG Style and the Entourage on there. You know, I know how to play on the album. What, what, was you in that picture, too? So I was for Lynch Mob that was with him. That was uh Big B, that was that was B and uh Rodney Banks and uh Marcus. Yeah, from the four four Lynch Mob. And Ed Jack, light skin dude with the black trench coat on. That nah, I was Ed Jack. Okay. So I was in the process of learning. I was there when they took their pictures though and all that stuff. I had to I had to I had to suck it up and and learn. Learn the game, you know what I'm saying? And I was willing to do that. Right. And so, was you there when they was putting the the Know How to Play on album together, when they was producing it? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, can you repeat the question? Yeah, was you there when they was producing the album, I Know How to Play them? Oh yeah, yes, I was there. I was there. They actually produced the first, uh, the first, the first original version with Carlos Garza. Um, uh, he was DJ Osquad. Him and um, Premier, DJ Premier. Damn, that's true. They uh, all, all, all four of them put that, all four of them put that song together. That's, now that's a, that's a piece of piece of history a lot of people don't know about. So damn. Hey. 
Yeah, so uh, what 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 was the times like with OG Style when uh when when the album came out and everything was going on? What was it like? Let me tell you something like the recording of that album because how Boston how Boston operated everything was done in pre-production, so they had the whole album done at at Boston's house already. So when um they finally deal with rap lot and everything. Um, everybody recorded at Sound Art Studios over on Mangum. And I mean, we was in the studio with Gangsta Nip, uh, Terrorist, uh, Ghetto Boys, The Convicts. Everybody was operating at the same studio. Everybody would go in. Damn it, we passing each other. We all sitting in the motherfucking lobby all outside waiting, waiting for their turn to go in. But OG Style, they would come in and they would do like three to four songs a day. Um, with, before the month was even though it was like about a half a month, the album was already done. Damn. Wow, that's a bad day. They, they, they put that album they put that album quicker than anybody on the label. Man, so that work ethic was off the chain. So look, who who I do who originally um came up with the uh the little skit that's sitting in the Harris County Jail because it was on OG style and it was on the Convicts album. That's that's OG style. Um, that's a old, you know, so that's that's a jailhouse song. You know, what I'm saying? right? He was he was locked up. He was locked up. Um, when it was doing pre-production for the for the album, you know, what I'm saying before they even went to the studio to drop it, he had came out of jail and shit and. and you know, convince Boss to put that on the album. And um, once Jay had heard the whole album, Jay was like, man, that song right there, that fits. That fits the group that I got, that I put together. Like, you know, Convicts is a put-together group. You know what I'm saying? Three Tools and Solo Artists and Big Michael's and Solo Artists. They both had totally different albums, but Jay, Jay just wanted to narrow it down. And so he narrowed them down to be, you know, being a group, and he called the group the Convicts, and that song just perfectly fits them. So, of course, you know what I'm saying? Hey, he just took it and put it on their album. The album, that particular song is a prelude to 10B3. You know what I'm saying? It's a jailhouse song while he's in jail. Then the song 10B3 is about escaping jail. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that came about. No oh, sir. Um, so what 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 was the reason for the breakup? For OG style breakup? Yeah. Um, it was basically a different a creative differences. Um at that time, um they had just got that deal, Apple had just got that deal, distribution deal through priority. So Jay basically packed up the whole label and, and sent everybody to LA. Um, prior to to everybody going to LA, OG Style had turned in their second album, um, and I had like Ghost, I had Ghost wrote three songs on that album. You know what I'm saying? Um, we presented it to Jay and everything like that, and Jay loved basically the album, but he didn't like the direction the album was going in because it was it was mostly it was mostly hip hop. And it was it was just a progressive album, you know what I'm saying? Um, so 
basically he wanted to revamp it and he wanted different producers instead of boss because boss produced all the you know both both albums and and that's where you know boss didn't you know cut for that the only song that jay really cut for was uh a sample that boss had did uh from the commodores uh easy like sunday morning right you know what i'm saying um they wind up jacking that and using that for 60 deep you know but hey that's just how that <laughs> that's how that operated you know what i'm saying uh, during that time but uh, it was just creative differences um he chose to go to L.A., and Boss was like, I'm not going to L.A. And with that being said, Boss went to Jay and was like, man, it's just not going to work out. You know, I don't know. I, I no longer want to be in the group. Right. Boss wanted to do his own thing. Okay. And so after that, that's when uh Four Deep was formed. So when when did Class One come into the picture, and who idea was it to put Four Deep together? Four Deep was like a collective. Uh, it was a collective idea. Um, it consisted, and it, it wasn't even Four Deep. It was uh, the original name of the, uh, Four Deep was the uh, Fourth Dimension, um, meaning uh, uh, the far side of the brain, the part that. We don't really use a lot, but we're we tap into it when we're looking for intelligence, when we're looking for creative ideas, um, and that's what fourth dimension meant to us, and that's what the group represented. And in the group was uh, myself, Big Boss, um, a cat by the name of WG, and from um, the group Nemesis. The Nemesis uh, group from Dallas had broken up. And the zine had came down to Houston and met with WG and Big Boss was working with WG and uh, we all just decided to form a group, you know. So we put a demo together. Um, zine at the time there was with Profile, Profile Records in New York. We put a demo together, uh, presented it to Profile. Profile rejected the album because they wanted. Uh, more bass music. They wanted shit that uh, Azim had been doing with Nemesis. And Fourth Dimension was, was basically on some intellectual, on some, you know, some hip-hop, you know, some, on some cutting-edge type shit. And they didn't want that. So they turned it down. Uh, once they turned the demo down, Azim uh, was like, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to school, get my degree, um, which now he actually works for uh, Capitol Records now. Um, WG, he did the same. He's like, I'm going to go to school too. He went, now he does gospel music and so on and so forth. He's a business, you know, a very uh, a prominent businessman now. Um, and so it was just me and Boss, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we already had put the demo together and everything like that. So how we ran into class one, we was rolling around on the north side um, one night. You know what I'm saying? Just flipping, listening to music and shit, just talking. Uh, we ran and we went up to uh, Kokomo's, the parking lot of Kokomo's. Bosses using the payphone in the parking lot and shit. And Class One just happened to run up on a car. He had just got through, he had him and his group, Grand Theft, had just got through winning a rap contest up at Kokomo's. And uh, he gave Bosses demo. So me and Boss listened to the demo. Boss asked me what I thought. I thought it was pretty dope. Uh, Boss did too, so he hit up class one 
and told him if he was to win the rap contest again the next following Saturday up at Kokomo that uh, we'll offer him a deal and shit. Cut a demo for him and shit. So, yeah, yep, they won again. And um, shit, that's how Class 1, you know, got into And we just took the fourth dimension and just called it 4D. Okay, right. Yeah, so when y'all put that together, y'all was signing Albatross. Was was Albatross a Houston label? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Yeah. When y'all um when when Four Deep had formed, y'all was signed to Albatross Records. Was Albatross Records a Houston label? Yes, Albatross was a Houston based record label. Um and what what gave them what gave them a leverage was they had MC Breeze. They had MC Breeze first, Ain't No Future in Your Front. But when that first dropped, that was on Albatross. Uh, once the once the record took off, once the video and the record took off, they got a distribution deal with uh, Ichiban out in Atlanta. And um, Ichiban wind up acquiring MC Breeze. And in the deal, they gave, they gave Albatross a major distribution deal. So while we were shopping our deal, the only other label that would take us was Albatross, and it was right here in Houston, and it had worldwide distribution. But we chose to go with them. Okay. So in the, in the process, y'all had started making Another Day in the Jungle. But the thing is, on, on Another Day in the Jungle, you know, it, it was a good album, but you, you really wasn't on that like talking about. You was all on uh, one song, but I know you had a heavy hand in the production, huh? Yeah, actually, um, I executive produced that album. Okay. I was the executive producer, oh. and damn near all the concepts and all that stuff. Um, the reason why I was only on on um, a couple of songs on there was the simple fact that I already had a solo project myself. I was okay. I was gonna come out with my own shit, and um later on it did come out. It was called the Funky Products because me and Boss had a production company together. Um, I did a lot of ghostwriting for a lot of folks, and he did all the production. So there's lots of behind the scenes things that I did. Um, I mostly uh, learned the business part of it. So um that's how come I mean I paid for all the studio time, all the reels. Two inch reels and shit like that. I right. Pay for all that shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and and I, back a little bit more than just being an artist. <laughs> right. And and everybody remember class one had said in the rhyme that the uh, the fourth member was a Glock nine. You know, but uh gonna find out that uh actually the the fourth member was supposed to have been a female MC by the name of Infinity. Infinity, see now it's like the thing with Infinity, Infinity was like there when we were putting the first project together. Right. Um, another person that was there too was on three. But um he has he had some things going on 
with uh with rap a lot that kind of halted all of that because uh Jay was like, you know what I'm saying, you rather big boss and him be a group. And boss was like, I can't do that. I already got my own group and so on and so forth. So that stopped that. Infinity was there and she was doing a whole bunch of stuff as well. So um she was down. I mean, she's still considered, you know, a member of silent members in some in some, you know, some way, shape, form or fashion. But um she was there during the whole process. She was on like about two to three songs on that album. Right. And see, mm-hmm. and what and, and what I love about that album, see me personally, it is the the little stuff that that stands out. And on that album, it was three things that that that, that stuck out to me. Uh, first of all, that was the first album I heard that had two intros. You know, you had the first intro, then you had the reintro with a uh, big boss and class yeah. one, and uh, the song "What I Do." I, I, I was telling some people that what I realized that was a straight bass song. You had to have some twelves or some fifteens to jam that song. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the whole concept the whole concept of the album is is you have a party, which is the first part, and right. then it got real deep and political on the second part. Right. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's what Four Deep was all about. Baiting you in with all with all the party jams and all the, you know, you know, fuck your mama, fuck y'all, all that stuff. And while you jamming and you enjoying yourself, and all of a sudden we had to bring bring you back into reality. So what's really going on? Right. And that's what set the pace for the second album. First it was just another day in the jungle. Now you know, second album is what's really going on. What's going on, right? You know. Yeah, and and, and another thing about um. Uh, about that song, what I do, the the first line when when Big Boss said, uh, "Rolling four deep, trying to make it home, stop to get some gas and use the payphone." I I would use that that rhyme as an example in some conversations because it's been times that you know we'd be sitting in the group and uh, people be talking about you know hip hop and they be saying, you know why just why they can't just rap about doing something just some everyday stuff you know just rap about doing this and that and then I would use the big boss rhyme you know and they were like yeah 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 something like that why why they can't do that <laughs> and um uh, that's yeah. and that's an actual true story that stuff actually happened right that stuff wow. actually happened that's crazy <laughs> yeah and that's what was mostly before we would sit down to even start writing we would talk about, you know what I'm saying? We'll just talk about normal shit. And, and that's what we that's what we chose to to put in our songs. Those, you know what I'm saying? And everything has to have a have a message. If you're gonna embellish, at least put the truth in there. You see what I'm saying? Just don't lie all the way. You know, and that's where music is, just got fucked up, man. Don't be trying to tell the truth no more. Right. Now, that's it- just my opinion. Right, and then it, it was another little deal, you know. No, it, it was it was real small, but it was something that I noticed and I thought it was kind of neat. On uh, the song uh, "Can't Turn Back," I had noticed like on that the last verse on "Can't Turn Back," it had the the police siren that started on the last verse, and then it carried over into the next song. Take that. You know, I, I thought that was kind of neat. You know, even though it's just a little something in the background, I just thought it was cool how it just started off in one song and it carried over into the next. 
Yes, yes, yes. That was a positive idea. That's boss, man. That's, you wanted the album to flow like a continuous, a continuous, uh, 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 just like an ordinary day. It's going to be one thing that happens after the next. And he wanted that album. Once you put it in, he didn't want you to be able to take it out. Right. Um, that's, I don't know, man. Dude, dude's a genius, man. Um, to sit there and watch him work and to uh, be a part of uh, a part of his creativeness was was an honor, yeah. really, on the cool. Yeah. I say it was just, you know, little, just little stuff like that that I appreciated that, that I really just paid attention to. And, uh, and, and, and you know, after uh, another day in the jungle, you know, getting on the uh, what's really going on and everything else, you you was all over them. And, and me personally, I always thought, you know, all three of y'all, y'all had a unique voice, but you you really had a unique voice to me because, you know, it was deep and you could go high with it and you was animated. You know, because I, I used to like the way how you would you would start off rapping and then uh you you were flipping and go rag eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like you know, lyrically minded, you have been blinded, searching for my style like that, <laughs> but you can't find it. Make just a roof for you, the coffee up in higher, you challenge the monster from before you gonna fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I just thought that was cool, man. You know, it was it was just animated. So, um, you know, I, I I used to like that versatile, you know. So around this time, did any other labels try to sign y'all? Um, the only other label that really um came after us was Rapalot. <laughs> Rapalot kind of like um, it was Rapalot and um, who was in talks with uh with Interscope for for a minute too. Um but you know what I'm saying, um, hey, you know, I I, I love rap a lot to death, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um they took us on our first major tour, um, just for the simple fact that uh Boss was technically with another day in the jungle, Boss was still technically under contract with Rap Lock and um Jay just went up to, you know, boss just went up to Jay like a man and told him I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, you know, want to be down anymore. And Jay's like, well, we're going to have to work something out. Uh, you know, some of the proceeds of the first album, you know, why don't you just go ahead and give it over here? And then we'll see where we can go from there. And, you know, me and Class One had, you know, we had to agree to it in order for us, for everything to, you know, to come out. And um, once once that happened, um. They was like, you know, boom. There was like major shows that was going on. We did shows with them with E40. We did shows with them with Too Short, MCA, uh, Public Enemy. And um, it was all cool, man. We wasn't, we wasn't tripping and they wasn't tripping. It was just all about handling your business. You know what I'm saying? And um, after a while, we just liked the fact that we just stayed independent. We were still able to do what we wanted to do. And, um, Still get major publication like we got the source the first album um we hit we hit billboard chart with the first album all right. independent you know so uh yeah that also helped us too with the second album um we wound up leaving Ichiban and we did get another major distribution deal with solar um out there in california that had uh death row was there at the same time 
Wow. So, so y'all y'all was time. so y'all y'all was able to uh talk with Dick Griffey. Hello? Yeah, hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, Dick Griffey, yep, yeah, sure did. So so how was it dealing yeah. with him? He was cool, man. Um he liked the fact that we was doing everything independent. We didn't want to take we didn't come in you know, looking for advance money and looking for money to do this and do that. Like, we went to him. My album was already done. You know what I'm saying? We paid for everything ourselves. All right. we needed was just the machine behind it. That's it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't want nothing less than we had with the first album. So we wanted all the publications. We wanted all the outlets. I mean, you you think about it at the time, Sound Warehouse and, and, and Blockbuster and all those things. We was there. Um getting played all across the country. You know, we didn't we didn't want nothing less. <clears throat> and we didn't want we didn't want to owe nobody. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I mean shit with him, it was all love because he didn't have to babysit us. Right. Yeah, so on on what's really going on, you know, it was it was mostly uh remixes from the jungle with a with a few new songs. But who um what was it was it boss idea to uh to to redo the songs or it was boss's idea to redo the songs like I said because the first proceeds some of it went over oh. to to rap a lot you know what I'm saying so we sold but you know as far as artist wise and as far as company wise we we didn't even break even. You see what I'm saying? So as long as as long as that business was as long as that business was done, we're like boom. Um, actually, we did that album while we was on the road, while we was on tour. And, oh um, man! Boss was like shit, man. So we took the songs, we basically just cut the fat. You know what I'm saying? And just remade and revamped. Revamped another day in the jungle was really going on. Added some new songs on there. I was more prominent on there. And shit, that whole album was was stellar. It got another rave review again. Oh yeah. I, I personally, personally, I was worried. I was like, man, I don't know if this is gonna work. We got three and a half mics the first time. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was thinking we probably gonna get a, a two or a one and a half or something. Shit, nope. <laughs> not again. They gave us another rave review, and then the second time yeah. they start calling us veterans. I was like, damn. You know what I'm saying? We got another yeah. three and a half mics. Yeah. So we didn't go below yeah. or we just we just stayed right there in the pocket. So we I mean, in my book, like we won. You know what I'm saying? And we hit Billboard yeah. charts again. Yeah. And we yeah. got we got way more radio play than we did the first time. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was it was it was it was crazy, man. It was real crazy. Right. Yeah, because the two songs that stood out to me on what's really going on was the uh, the song with Big Boss was singing, I Want to Get Nasty. <laughs> but, that song there, and then the one after with, uh, with Big Black. Now, she... Hey, oh, she came yeah. tough on that one, man. Big Black really, she she came with it on that, on on, on y'all album, man. Did did she ever come out with an album? 
Yes, she did. Um, it, it, it was called Strictly for the OG Hustlers. And um, we was working with Big Black at the time. Um, a, lot, a lot of people that, that was featured on 4D projects, on all 4D projects, we was already working with them. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So they either had projects out or their projects didn't, you know, get to come out of so on and so forth. But majority, every single body that was that was working with us, yeah, we that was on our album, we was already working with them. Like I had Ghost wrote uh, two songs for Big Black. Uh, Class had, had wrote, uh, I think, like about three songs for her. Um, Boss had produced like about four to five songs on her album. And um, wow, yeah. yeah, man, I mean. Yeah, cause man, that that was a banger, and then and, and once again, you know, you know, she was doing her thing, and then you came in with the reggae accent at the end, man. You know that that just said it all, yeah. man. That the 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 song was just tough. That 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 was a tough album, man. I I still play that one to this day. <laughs> and um, I appreciate that. Oh yeah, and so um, but on on D for life. You know, that was another classic album, but, but Class 1 wasn't on that one. Yeah, that's when, uh, that's when uh, you know, money got into play. <laughs> you know, right. It, 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 became, it became a money issue now because the group is popular now. Imagine um, Mad Hatter, uh, 97.9 The Box, Time. Right. You know, just Jock Morning Jock. This first time ever rapping was on a 4D project. After that, then he started doing his own thing as well. You know what I'm saying? So it was a springboard of a lot of. If you listen to Another Day in the Jungle, you'll hear a lot of on air, major on air popular, uh, uh, popular people that was on air was on the album. Right. Golden Boy, he was on Another Day in the Jungle. Uh, LaCellis, he used to do, uh, 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 you know, the. The the uh, Magic 102 late night, you know, do the right. You know what I'm talking about? The, the late night hype with the deep voice. Yeah. He's the one yeah. that came on. You know what I'm saying? So we had yeah. we had major players on the album that was in the radio. So and that was also Boss's idea. Instead of giving your album to your to to your to your uh, disc jocks, once you have them be a part of your project, I think that also set a set a trend and started these disc jocks thinking that they're MCs all of a sudden. I don't know, (laughs) but it's documented. We did it, you know what I'm saying, when nobody else is doing it. Right, right. Yeah, because um, you know, around this time, by the time D for Life had came out, you know, I I was a big OD fan, and uh, so. Uh, I, I was so much of a big fan, man. When uh, back in the day, when we used to get our shirts airbrushed, we had this uh, mm-hmm. store in the mall called Airbrush LA, and uh, you know about my, you know my nickname was Fresh. You know I had Fresh uh, spray painted on the back, and at the bottom I had Deep for Life. And so I was going to school, you know, I'm, I'm showing the shirt off, and uh, people said Fresh Deep for Life. You know what that mean? A lot of people didn't get it. But for the ones who was listening to Four Deep, they got it. You know, the ones that knew about the album, they got it. So a lot of them, I had to explain it. So I said that's just one of my one of my favorite tapes that came out. So I said that yeah, that's man. just the name that's of. Dope. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. I read it. Yeah. So um, appreciate that. 
Oh, yeah, all good, man. I was, I was just a big fan, man. And, uh, you know, uh, Class One, he he came out with a solo album. Um, That's right. Did did your solo album ever come out, and did Big Boss ever thought about working on one? Yes, actually, Big Boss. Um, I put out a solo project. It was called The Funky Product. And um, we was in dispute, man. We had a battle with the record label, and the record label started doing shady stuff, man. They took – we released we released Funky Product, and we left the label. Once we left the label – Boss had formed his own record label called Power Move Music. And Boss had dropped his solo project called, um, it was called Respect Do. You know, I'm on there as well. And um, what the label did was took the funky product and put 4Deep on that motherfucker also and released it and called it All That and Then Some. Right. I remember that album. Yeah, but you, but you only, but you only hear me all throughout the whole album. Right. <laughs> Crazy man. This is man. This labels, man. That's oh, you know. I'll, it's yeah. Come, you know. We were just glad we just stayed independent, man. Right, because you know I had noticed that when those two albums that came out, because oh, Deep for Life and on all that and then some, you know, I noticed that the whole group, you know, the they they was on the album cover, but you know, okay. class one, yeah, class one wasn't on Deep for Life, and he wasn't on all that and then. So you know, it was mostly you that was on on that album. Yeah, yeah. You do, do the research and you pull up and you pull up uh, the funky product, Breaking Back Live and Direct. You see me and Boss on the cover, and right. all the same songs that you see on all that and then some. Same fucking songs as on that. Just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Label bullshit, man. Right. You want to and all kinds of shit. Right. So, what what was the story behind uh, Forever? Nah, I, Forever, um, that, that's the only album I never got to hear from y'all. Because. Uh, that, was, that, was a, that was another fabricated album. That right. was a fabricated album by the label. Okay, yeah, because I was noticing, you know, with Forever, the reason I didn't pick it up because it basically had the same cover as uh, what's really going on. And I, I thought it was the That's same right. album. Yeah. That's the label. That's the label again. They dropped those albums within the same year. You know what I'm saying? Confusing our – those are throw off our fan base. You feel what I'm saying? And that's like, come. That's another reason why I just kind of bowed out the game. Because it was just some real shady stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Real shady. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had we had to get lawyers and all that type of shit. Like, right now, like, technically, with the boss passing and um class class uh, leaving the group, like, all that stuff. And then me being executive producers on, on every single one of those albums, like, I own all that shit. Right. You know what so, I'm saying? So, so do you own the master to all the albums from... Nothing yes. than jungle on yes. that. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do, and I have re-released them. I have re-released them digitally. Um, but what I'm doing right now, is, uh, next year, um, I'm gonna press up physical copies and put a box set together. 
Please you do. Know what I'm you got to buy right and set the record straight. <laughs> Already. Yeah, because. Uh, set the record straight. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I, said, I, I, I still got the jungle on, on tape. I got what's really going on on tape. You know what I'm saying? But hey, I, I, it's time to cop those CDs, man. Yeah, so, you know, I, yeah. I, you, you, you got a bow right here. Already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But we did, but we did, before Boss passed away, before D did reunite and put out a, a solid project called right. For Closure. Okay. For all the true 4D fans, we urge y'all to get the foreclosure. But the foreclosure is just what that is. It, it, that was that was a chapter that we and, and you know we addressed a lot of the issues and we actually got back together. All three of us got back together. But that was unbeknownst to me in class that boss was going to pass. You know right. what I'm saying? Um, suddenly after that album got completed, and um a lot of people wanted to contribute to the album, and um people like Bumby reached out, uh, Slim Thug, uh, uh, Oranges Jones, um. A lot of folks uh, uh, reached out, and we put together. Boss put together a solid project, right? A real solid project. Yeah. So, man, Boss was ahead of his time, man. That dude was a musical genius. Yes, he was. Yeah, genius, yes, genius. Was. That's an understatement. Really, I mean, and he worked with a lot of artists, um, unknown for a lot of people, like South Park Mexican. Boss had done a joint with him. Um, he worked with with uh, the Baby Ghetto Boys, Too Much Trouble. Um, yeah. uh, uh, some others, he did some gospel stuff with this uh, chick named um, Trouble, if I'm not mistaken. And um, some other uh, Latino artists that he that he dealt with also over at Salty Water Records. I mean, Boston's an all-around, I, I hey, it's, this word is not understated or overrated when you're speaking upon him a genius. Right. You know. So, uh, when did you find out Boss had passed and how did it affect the group? I was with him. Wow. I was with him. Oh, my goodness. With him. Yeah. We was in the car. We was in the car uh, coming back from a meeting and we had a stoplight, and he had just started. Uh, I didn't know at the time the oxygen had started getting cut off to his brain, so he was talking, but he wasn't making sense. You know what I'm saying? So I got him out the driver's seat, and I drove the car into a parking lot, and um, I called a friend of mine that that's, that's a nurse, and um, he was telling me to hurry up and get him to the hospital. Um at the time, Boss was going through dialysis treatment. So I used to go with him to dialysis treatments and stuff like that with him when he couldn't drive. Because you know, after you know, after a while, when you, right after you get through taking that treatment, you're weak. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they're taking all the fluids out your body and doing all. So I used to have to drive him back home um, after you do the treatments and stuff. So I was, man. I took him to the hospital, man. I took him to the hospital, stayed up there with him, and. A day later, I think it was like about a day to two days later, uh, he passed away. Yeah. 
you know, I got to say our goodbyes. You know, class came up there, and um, um, even little Jay came up there to see him and everything like that. You know. Right. So, uh, when that happened, did he have any other uh, projects that he was working on? No, hey. not at the time. Um, we had just got through doing the foreclosure album. Okay. Um, and we was in talks with we was in talks with Interscope by the help of Alexis, you know, helping us uh, get that deal to go through. And um, when he passed, it just it just halted everything. I mean, it, it's just really in. At the time, I just. I mean, like I said, I had backed out from the music industry for a while. Right. And, you know, went into public life. And I just really didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and I got into film because of that. Um, we had, that was our first time actually filming us recording and doing all of that. So we had a whole bunch of footage after we passed, and I wanted to get it edited. Right. And I wind up... Uh, um, getting the program and teaching myself how to edit it, and I put it out. Uh, I did like a trailer and I put it on YouTube, and I started getting calls from Source, Double XL. Uh, they were the main and Vibe. They were the ones that contacted me, and then um, I told the story, and you know, and then everybody knew that he had passed and knew about the project that we had worked on, and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. After yeah. That, I just kind of just stuck with the film. Oh, okay. So, you know, with that being said about the the film and the video, what what's the process that goes into producing films and videos? Yeah. Uh, I have like about over a hundred music videos that I've done now. I've done five uh, underground movies. And still going. Still going. Okay, yeah. So you you got any projects that you're working on right now? Right, I'm just doing music videos. Um I got a I've been working with my nephew, uh Jay Jones, which is a class one uh uh nephew as well. Um right now I'm currently managing him and um just prepping him up. And uh with, with with class pushing me, we actually put out another four, well, a first four D mixtape um, called "Heard Before Seen," and um, that's digitally released uh, right now as well on iTunes and everything else um, through through Power Move Music for our own for our own label. So um, I'm mostly just I'm mostly just managing uh, Jay Jones right now. Okay. Uh, I do have a video coming up with uh with Kudabang. I'm getting ready to direct his next video. And um Mr. J. Jones, he's getting ready to come out with another one as well. We have some current stuff that's out right now. But uh we're just basically I'm prepping up J. Jones to, to drop an album <clears throat> in the middle of next year. So that's that's what I'm doing right now. Okay, so with that being said, what's your take on the current state of hip hop and how's the 
the Houston music scene nowadays? Well, man, I mean, I don't know. People call me old school, but I, there's like only like a handful of artists that I really cut for. Um, uh, I, I cut for Propane. I like Propane. I like what he's doing. I like um, some people get on me about it, but I actually like Sauce Walker because I watched his beginnings as well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just sure. doing what he's doing right now. And I, I, I admire the kid, you know, and I'm actually and I actually got to work with him and um and talk with him and he's he's a real he's a real cool dude. Um I like I like what he did. I like what he's doing. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um yeah, yeah. uh who else do I actually cut for? I cut for Magno. I think Magno is like one of the most underrated in Steven Houston. You know. Uh, I mean, um, everybody else and everything else that's going on. I, if you look at the videos that I do, I basically kind of like, you know, handpick some of the people that I work with because this is right. not all about money with me. You know what I'm saying? You got to be saying something. You got to, you know, uh, have something creative. So a lot of the a lot of the underground videos that I direct are people that I actually listen to and I I feel like can. You know, they actually have a future, have something going on for themselves, other than just trying to rap. Right. So, I mean, I mean, as far as the current state of, there's still more to be done. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't sit back and and dwell on the glory days because that was back then. Right. You see what I'm saying? Um, I just wish they'll be more conscious. I wish they'll be more about what's going on now. Well, we have K Reno, which is like one of my all-time favorites. This dude has always been at the top of the food chain to me when it comes to being an MC and being a lyricist. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that, so. you know, he's, he's, he's completely uh, underrated, but um, I know that he's received well overseas, which, which I mean, I, I commend that. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. That's, that's another cool dude that, you know, I sit down and have conversations with whenever we are in each other's presence. And it's always a, a, a building. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah, other so. than that, man, I, I, you know, I, I, really, that's, I really don't have anything negative to say about the Houston music scene and stuff. Well, I just want them to be more conscious, man, and just be true to yourself. You know right. what I'm saying? Don't don't follow a trend, but set it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, have something to say to these kids, other than you want they gal and you want to smoke and you want to do this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's mm. way more life than that. And since right. when did wanting somebody else's gal is cool? There's, I mean, <laughs> that's what they can out of me. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. So. So Bumba Clyde, Bumba Clyde, you got something you want to ask? Yeah, were you were you around when um Raheem battled uh, Prince Eazy E in a legendary battle oh, way yeah. back in the day? Yeah. Uh yeah yeah man um I used to be out there on, on West Gray man you know what I'm saying people would load up you know load up guns and shit in the car and shit and you know <laughs> hey man. <laughs> It was it was crazy. That was a for real battle. That wasn't no, you know what I'm saying. It wasn't no play play. You know what I'm saying. And like, yeah, first yeah. Thing I watched it was uh, was 
Jay. Well, Jay squashed that stuff like, man, y'all need to calm down. Y'all both, they both put our records on the label talking about, you know, killing each other and shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Break out the shotgun. That's about he, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Catch you slipping. That's about Raheem, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs>
When I first heard the Ghetto Boys, man, I was like, man, what the hell is this? And the first song I heard was Car Free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, <laughs> after Car Free, after Car Free, then um, I heard Choice, and I was like, damn, that girl is nasty. Yep. So I had to get that album. Yeah. <laughs> had to have that. <laughs> and then Willie D, his ass was just yelling. I was like, this. is if, if, if there's such a thing as a Texas rapper, with it be shit? Exactly. Yeah. He sounds like he got a straw in his mouth, and he's on the back of a horse, and he's rapping. Right, right. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. What <laughs> <But>, um, a... <laughs> But, uh, man, after I'd seen, man, I'd seen him knock this dude, man, i seen, it was over at Rhinestone Wrangler. Man, i seen him knock the cowboy shit out this dude. I swear his eye must have came out his head or something. Oh, um, <laughs> damn. Like, so I, re- I respect the shit out of Willie B. <laughs> I already. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another rapper that I really, really, really loved back in the day until he, I mean, he changed his style totally when he got rap lot was uh, Big Mellow. Okay. I remember wow. Big Mellow, Big Mellow, Big Mellow used to sound just like Rakim. Just yeah. like Rakim. Wow. Yeah. Rakim himself, man. Wow. And, um, yeah, once he got his deal, man, it's, you know what I'm saying? He, he flipped it. He was still he was still good, but that dude was a lyrical cat. He was a lyrical beast. Right. Uh, I remember hanging out with him too. Him and Captain Jack. Yeah. Uh, so man, where where can everybody reach it? Oh man, um, everybody, y'all can y'all can hit me up on my social social media, man. Uh, Catch me on Twitter. It's at uh at four D Cool Films K O O Films. On Instagram, you can uh, hit me at uh, K O O Films. And um, as as far as my Facebook, I mostly just uh you can hit me up. I got my government name on there. It's Rodney Cool Rod Brown. And uh, shit, man. Any and everybody can feel free to hit me up. You want to see what I'm doing? Just go on any one of those two social mediums and um, you'll see what I got going on. New projects to old projects. If y'all want to pick up uh, the 4D mixtape, which is just me and Class 1, you can go on there and you can take it straight to iTunes. You want to pick up the last album, the official last uh, 4D album that we did, Foreclosure, you can go on to my Facebook page. You'll see the links on there and everything like that. And so on and so forth. So, all right. Yeah. All right. And there you have it, hip hop is another backstory told by another legend and you heard it here first at Graffiti Talk Radio. We don't talk about it because it didn't happen yet. Peace and may old school hip hop live forever and rest in peace, big boss. Rest in peace. Already. <laughs>